Hello again, gentlemen. Welcome to the first day of Thatch's Thatch Can Style Wrestling. There's a lot of glare coming off that dome of yours. Squirrel nut! What does WrestleMania mean to Brock Lesnar? It's a day that I get to show up, kick somebody's ass, and get paid to do so. Crying out loud, he can't use a thing with you swearing like that. I don't give a damn. I came up here for a purpose to prove some son of a bitch and thing. And I'll tell you what I came to prove, that Lawler didn't have the guts. Hey folks, welcome to We Don't Know Wrestling, episode 112. I'm your host, Sam Dimaggio. We're going to be doing things a little bit differently this week. As I try to iron out the format of the new We Don't Know Wrestling, we're going to try to speed things up just a tad. We're going to be doing away with some of the segments in the normal way we've been doing it in the past few episodes. Instead, we're going to be doing my top five things of the week. That's a working name, just so you know. I'm not in love with it. But it's Wednesday, 721 Eastern Standard Time, the correct time zone. So we're just going to get into it right now. Starting off with number five. We have Action Wrestling's Shug, you're going down. And I am really glad that someone in my Slack chat with some of the wrestling luminaries were able to kind of remind me, hey, this is a Fallout Boy reference, as you can also tell from the art for the matches. It's rad. I've now been laughing at it ever since, but also deeply impressed. Uh, I Action Wrestling is a really good promotion. They put on fun, easy-to-watch shows. They don't always produce great matches every single time out, but like, that's two hours, two and a half hours. They're gonna be well spent, which is better than I can say for most wrestling promotions now, and frankly, over the past twenty-five years. So, absolutely something that you should should look out for. The big matches coming out of that to me right now: Adam Priest versus J.D. Drake. Adam Priest has become one of the top wrestlers on independent wrestling today. I love him to bits. He just kicks a whole bunch of ass. Always brings energy. His run on Uncharted Territories has been a lot of fun between the John and Wayne Murdoch match, the Damian Tangra match. It's good stuff. Keep up with him there. But I think the J.D. Drake match could be maybe his best one yet of this current run. So excited to see how that plays out. Uh, he also has been wrestling in Modern Arts Grappling, the promotion that I didn't know was a promotion until recently and isn't just the name of a show. So excited to see what he can do there in the Jonathan Gresham promotion. But that's going to be a hoot nanny of a match for sure. We have AC Mack versus Eric Royal for the Independent Wrestling TV World Championship. That's going to be fun. I'm not the biggest AC Mack wrestling fan currently. I was probably a couple years ago, but it feels like I was hoping a little bit more evolution there. But I think this is the kind of match where there's just going to be a lot of charisma in that ring could really work. Uh, Eric Royal, phew, a lot better than Marcus Mathers. So excited to see how that one plays out. 
I would not hate an Eric Royal Royal as independent wrestling champion. So would be excited for that. And the the real big match of the show now that unfortunately violence is forever versus Airbnb is no longer happening. A match that I think would have been the match I'm most excited about just because of how how amped I've been over Airbnb of Bobby Flacco and Brogan Finley. But unfortunately, that's not happening. But let me tell you, Daniel Makabe versus Anthony Henry is... That's about as good of a match as you're going to see in independent wrestling on any card right now. I know, Emily, this weekend, we also have Biff Busick versus Jeremy Wyatt at St. Louis Anarchy. That's going to be a real humdinger. But Daniel Makabe versus Anthony Henry, that really is just music to my ears. I can't imagine that being anything less than great. Expectations are high. I have all the confidence in the world. These two technical wrestlers can figure this out for the show um, coming up this Friday. So by the time you listen to it, probably tomorrow. And if you listen to it in the future, go back and watch it because I'm sure it was great. I only need to review it. I know it was great. Number four. This is going to be wrestling adjacent because it is also kind of a big part of what I consume and how I've developed my personality, comedic sense of timing, what have you. Uh, Giant Bomb, video game website, founded by Jeff Gertzman, who has officially left the site to start his own enterprise, started a Patreon. Jeff is one of the most important figures in video games. I don't, I don't want to say journalism, but journalism, I guess. Uh, journalism gets thrown around really weirdly in spaces like video games and wrestling because there's a lot of meshing of are you a critic are you an actual journalist are you doing that are you doing that work are you just being a pundit at that point there's a lot of kind of blending of those things in video games and wrestling but he's been not just a person that's been doing it a long time which sometimes gets attributed to being good at it but he's also is just like one of the greats he has informed so many folks' sense of humor, the way they communicate with each other, whether you are aware of it or not. Uh, you probably have friends that are giant bomb fanatics or have just been adjacent fans for years. But what makes this wrestling adjacent is that Dan Riker, who's a former member of Giant Bomb, left Giant Bomb to go join the WWE podcasting department where he worked on the New Day podcast. He was the biggest WWE fan you could possibly imagine. He is sort of the the fake person you build in your head of like, okay, this person could exist. They're just deranged enough to like the WWE without feeling like, oh, this person's actually lost it completely. And he quit because of how terrible it was to work there because he's so used to being a creative person and that was his hope going to WWE. oh i'm gonna create things in this world the sandbox that i love and he just enough he's also now back a giant bomb creating stuff for that company which i am very excited about i am been a fan of giant bob but for these past few years i have not been able to really keep up with it just because of the new crew and things like that it's a personality driven website if you're not familiar but excited to see what that does with him back in the fold. He's a zany personality, someone that 
has rubbed me a little bit wrong the wrong way uh, in the past. But in this setting with a lot of younger voices, I think that's going to be really exciting. But you don't really care about that, probably. But this does bring up our tweet of the week. It is from at Trevor Dom. When WWE has lost Dan Reichert, something has gone wrong. That isn't the canary leaving the coal mine. That is the canary who has a fetish for coal leaving the coal mine. That's that sums it up uh, completely. And he goes on in other threads, but it really does paint the picture of Dan Reichert leaving. He does a stream. Dan does later in that day of announcing he's left WWE and is now at Giant Bomb, where he talks about, hey, I really disliked it, and I, there are people I instantly want to avoid, and there are just situations that didn't weren't fun, weren't enjoyable, and stifled him as a creative, but also in his career, frankly. And Trevor does a great job of kind of illustrating, hey, like, yes, this is just the podcast just a podcast guy, whatever. But now we've seen that in pretty much every phase of that company from talent to a corporate position to podcasting, you name it. There is not a person at that company, well, not a section of that company that's untouched by the rot, by the disease, by the infestation of feeling like you can't grow, like you can't really do anything. So, if you ever defend WWE, let me tell you, you're a big dumb, 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 dumb idiot. So, there you go. That is your Tweet of the Week. That is number four. Moving on to number three. I want to talk about the MJF promo very quickly. I thought it was one of the silliest things that I've seen get so much praise in a long time. It is a quote-unquote shoot promo. It's a work shoot promo. I know Quentin and Tim touching on it as well, but I didn't grasp how silly this thing was. Like, I expected maybe a little bit more groundedness when I actually watched it. Something that felt a little bit more true to life. Like, oh, this is a shoe. But no, like, this is just, this is just a wrestling promo. There's no real big shades of gray. Sure, it's tapping into reality, whatever, but it never felt like it crossed a line. It never felt like it was going across the aisle. And part of that is because like a lot of the comparisons are going to be to the pipe bomb promo that CM Punk did, but you never saw anyone really step out of the WWE bubble in their promos, which is just doing that alone. felt like, oh, wow, this is different. You can't do that in AEW because AEW exists in the wrestling world, but it just didn't feel... I don't want to say edgy enough, but I didn't have enough grit to it, I, I suppose. MJF didn't didn't sit down with it. I, I mean, I'm not doing me in the pipe bomb sense. I mean, that in the, like, oh, it just felt like an angry wrestler delivering a speech. Him saying, this is Max Friedman talking, was one of the corniest things I've I've heard in a long time. And there is a, rough, a line in here, which I think is also very bad and... It made me laugh because it sounded so stupid. MJF said, I'm not expected to hit home runs. I'm expected to hit grand slams. A 
baseball situation, that means three other hitters have found their way to the bases. That's that's a team effort. Grand slams are not individual stats. That's a team stat. I don't know. I feel like you don't make that reference when you're a single in a single promo here. But whatever. Um, also, he just says, I don't want to be here anymore, which is just, again, corny thing to say. He should have just said, I, I want to, I'm quitting. Obviously, there are other situations like, oh, you can't say that. Like, gotta get, you're not going to get your money that way. Well, you should just say it. Like, just, you want out, you go out. I don't know if this was, I think it was supposed to be a Hill promo, but this feels like mixes of a baby face elements because you're going against your boss. I don't know. It's just the silliest thing I've heard in a hot minute. And it feels like this got a lot of undue <laughs> excitement, calling it one of the best promos ever. When we just had an Eddie Kingston promo for the pay-per-view that puts this one in the dirt. And that might not be Eddie's top three promos that he's delivered in AEW period. So I don't know. It feels like we've we've jumped ahead a little. Number two. And number two here. Number two is going to blend in a little bit with number one. So bear with me here. Giant Baba. So I've been watching a lot of Giant Baba as I've been working on my greatest wrestler ever watching for the past week. And I've just been kind of going through 1982 for a lot of the All Japan and All Japan adjacent stuff to get a grasp of how those performers were doing because I haven't watched a lot of All Japan. As you may know, I've not watched any of like the Pillar stuff or, or whatnot. Sorry, folks. And the wrestler that's standing out to me as I'm doing this is Giant Baba, plain and simple. This guy who, some years back, I was really down on and thought, wow, what a bum. He just has nothing to him. He's got all his awkward offense. He can't move around the ring. It's just sloppy. And I'm like, who was I? Who who had the nerve back then to say these things about him? Uh, he rocks. He is a just a giant gangly man with... Yes, weird proportions, and I'm sure there's some medical condition that makes me a little insensitive to say that about, but yes, some odd proportions, and it really works. I'm sure his offense is a little wonky with the chops, does these overhand chops, but it works. And the folks that he is with, in, with the, in the ring with understands what he's doing and makes it work. It's a lot of, hey, you got to have some suspension of disbelief and you have to trust that the wrestler on the other side of the ring is going to understand what he's going to do but then you also see him do some weird technical stuff in the sense like he uses these giant limbs to throw out arm bars from weird positions that other wrestlers really can't he's able to come off like this monster this giant this larger than life figure because he is and when he moves around the ring, everything feels like, okay, this ring could just fall apart at any minute because this giant is in there. This wide man who's about to throw a boot in this wrestler's face is just bending these ropes farther than they probably should go. And it's great. And I think if you watch what I've been watching that's really been impressed me is the, the Stan Hansen stuff from 1982. He has a match in February of 1992 that's so 
great. It was one of the first great matches that I've watched in a while. Something that really knocks me on my bottom that goes, oh, I love wrestling. It has enough stiffness. It has enough character to it with these giant men in there throwing their bodies at each other as well as a little extra grit that you're kind of hoping for. I think that's one of the matches I'm going to just be pointing to. But hey, yes, Baba better than Anoki. Sorry, folks. You got more out of Stan Hansen, which is also to say Stan Hansen's a pretty darn great wrestler. So that's really what I've been watching for this past week, and that's what we're going to kind of put here at number two. But yeah, if you haven't, go watch more Giant Baba, especially from... 70s, early 80s. I've watched some stuff from the later 80s. He definitely loses his step. He definitely gets older, a little bit bolder. Um, but yeah, at that point, he's doing still great stuff. Excited to dig in more. All right, number one had to be, again, this is not current stuff. This is what works for me. And I've been going through on the pro wrestling only message boards, the greatest wrestler ever, 2016 threads in particular ooh, i have been going through the thread titled wrestlers who had a lot of great matches but aren't great a thread that does not tell you one iota what you're in for it is not at all about that topic this thing starts about rick steiner of all people about how he shouldn't rank at all. He doesn't really cover any of the metrics of being a great wrestler. He has a short peak. He's got nothing going for him. He's not even as good as Scott. That topic lasts of all of a page. And then the, I don't know, founder, but the showrunner over at PWO, Loss, Charles, doing great stuff on Twitter. A man who... Said, oh, I love message boards. Could never be me on Twitter. Now just fully embracing it. Racking up those numbers. Juicing up the stats, the metrics. Love you, my man. Crushing the game. And on that first page, he says, well, let me reel this in. Let's change the topic to who is a great wrestler. Who is a wrestler that has lots of great matches that you don't consider great? Why are they not a great wrestler despite doing this? And he put that question to the field, and the response back was, I don't know, for a couple pages, some mentions to Triple H, but everyone's saying, but I actually don't freaking like him, he sucks. Some other people might say this, though, which was a weird way to respond to the question, because it's like, oh, I don't believe this fact, but let me tell you a possible answer, which is very funny, because the odds are, if you did think all those matches were great, you probably do think, to some respect, that the man without a job... Is a great wrestler? I don't agree with it. But there you go. Well, the actual crux of it is that for 17 pages, actually at least 14, I haven't gotten to all 17 yet. It's a 17-page thread, just a monster of a thing, of two message borders, essentially. Parv and Grimace. Grimace is Stephen Graham on Twitter. I'm now kind of running the show for GWE, having a Discord. If you haven't been there, join it. It's some fun discussion going on, but also go to PWO and have discussions there. I think that's going to be where you see the long-lasting 
arguments, discussions, stuff that's going to last for the next four years. Just to kind of say up front here, greatest wrestler ever is a poll ranking the top 100 wrestlers. That's going to conclude in 2026, which I know is four years away, but come time, time moves fast. You never know. But it's Parv and Grimace going back and forth about why Bret Hart for Grimace is ranked higher than Kenta Kobashi and Parv being unable to grapple with this fact, knowing that Kenta Kobashi has all these great matches and that Brett doesn't and that Stephen Graham is also Canadian. They are a homer in this sense. And it seems like Parv to some degree takes this as umbrage. And it's just a very funny thread. It's something that you really miss in today's discourse where it feels like the biggest arguments you see always are about someone being problematic versus them having a shy opinion, which is unfortunate. I wish we had just more kind of banter about, hey, you think Kenji Kobashi is better than Kawada or something of that nature? Maybe not a great example. Or Sean, you're a Shawn Michaels fan? Terrible, terrible idea. Things like that. And then you can just burn these folks, which is why I want to be a Dory Funk Jr. fan as a bit. I think we need to have these discussions open in the universe. Tweet about it. We've got at Nova's Exploder tweeting about his GWE process ballot and whatnot. He's 19 based on his Twitter profile. An illegal age to be posting about GWE, I think. But it really made me go, oh, fuck. I'm 29. I'm an old ass man here. Not quite. Not quite. Dylan... Charles, Stephen Graham, they're all just, they're ancient. Their bones are fucking creaking every single goddamn day of their lives. So, Tim also, just gotta throw Tim in there. Yeah, they are just broken men. Um, broken people, I should say. And I'm 29, I'm still young. But 19, that's fucked up. That's deeply unhinged, deeply unwell. Log off. But yeah, if you want to have a good and bad time simultaneously, go read the JWE threads from 2016. I cannot recommend it enough if you want to have a good and bad time. It is the most circular discussions you will ever experience. You will see some great insightful points followed up by a, what the fuck are you talking about, my guy? And it's just everything you could possibly want. That's that's what wrestling's all about, baby. Having these bad discussions. And I'm hoping that for 2026, we have more of those. We're still so many years out, it feels like people aren't really gearing up. It's going to come. It's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. But that's it. That's that's it. That's where we're at for this week. And we don't know wrestling. We're coming in sub-30 minutes. We're speeding things up. I'm hoping we have this be the kind of the time slot going forward. Go and follow Quentin and Tim's podcast, QNTR on Twitter. They've been producing great episodes each and every week for your listening pleasure. Go follow the podcast at WDKWPN on Twitter. Go to our link tree. Give us a subscribe on iTunes. Give us a five-star review. Really just slap it down there. Boom, 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 boom. And yeah, um, if you feel the urge, leave us a tip. It helps pay the bills so we can keep this going. Easy, breezy, beautiful cover girl. My name is Cindy Macho, and thank you for listening to this week's episode.